I tell our guys almost every day, hitting's really hard. We're going to have days, no matter how good you are, that you're not very good. Mm-hmm. I guess it's the bottom line. You're just, you're not going to be good every day. There's, there, we're going to run into a pitcher who's on his, on his game and, and just shoves it. And we're going to get pushed around. And we're going to have days where we just miss. And we're going to have days where we don't see it as well. We're going to have days where the wind's blowing in. And you can't control any of that. What we can control is how we prepare to do the best we can. Hey, and welcome to Ahead of the Curve. I am Jonathan Gellner, and thank you so much for being here. This episode is brought to you by Baseball Cloud. Baseball Cloud's revolutionary software platform brings to life the numbers captured by TrackMan and FlightScope. This provides colleges, players, and facility owners around the world a turnkey product, allowing them to analyze their data using key metrics and custom visualizations on one intuitive user interface. Go to BaseballCloud.com to find out how you can have your own data analytics department for your program. Data has a story to tell, and Baseball Cloud gives it a voice. In this episode, I welcome Donegal Fergus, Associate Head Coach and Hitting Coach at University of California, Santa Barbara. Donegal is in his first season at UCSB, but before being hired during the 2018 summer, He was an assistant at Washington from 2013 to 2018. During this time, the Huskies enjoyed one of their most successful stretches in program history. In 2014, Ferguson's first season as hitting coach, Washington snapped a 10-year postseason drought after going 41-17 and and advancing to the NCAA Regionals. The Huskies also achieved their highest ranking in team history, reaching the number five spot in Baseball America perfect game, and collegiate baseball pole. Washington then proceeded to advance to three NCAA tournaments in five seasons with Fergus on staff, including an appearance in the College World Series in 2018 after the Huskies won their first ever Super Regional. Fergus was also a head coach at Lower Columbia College in 2013 and led the Red Devils to a 34-14 record and a trip to the West Region playoffs. During this episode, Donegal describes his deep and eventful journey toward getting into coaching, but we also talk about how to build trust within his players and how to get them to think for themselves. And the latter part of our conversation includes training timing for hitters, and Fergus gives us some different concepts to do so. Here is Donegal Fergus. Donegal, welcome to Ahead of the Curve. Great to be here. Absolutely. Well, this is our actually our first Skype interview with a video, so I couldn't have picked a better, more patient person for this. And I don't think I could have picked a better person at a better location at the current moment. So, <laughs> I mean, you're in Hawaii for those that are wondering and, and can hear the beach in the background. And I mean, I'm glad you were able to take some time to be able to record with us. Well, I appreciate it. I, I, I owe just since I screwed up our first attempt, at this, <laughs> but I, I couldn't get my time zones right. Um, but yeah, it's uh, not a bad place to to do this we're uh we're over here for our series against uh and uh big weekend for us second to last weekend of the year and i uh, got a chance to uh if the if the, the math falls right we've got a chance to, to even uh clinch the the conference title if we i think we sweep and get a couple losses from cal poly so uh, exciting weekend for us trying to keep it a business trip it's uh a little challenging uh in in honolulu to do that but uh, <laughs> we, we try to keep keep the guys on the straight and narrow for the weekend and uh and see if we can't come away with a 
with a good uh, a good trip. No doubt, no doubt. Well, you've been on my radar for a while after an article that I read that was really well done, and just talking about the different transformations that you guys have done, and and how you've transformed an offense. And we and we've chatted a little bit back and forth, which has been really interesting because. I feel like we're a little bit kindred spirits and we're just we're trying to just mash the baseball and get better hitters <laughs> and all of this different stuff. But I want to know personally, and I'm sure our guests want to know a little bit about your baseball background and where why you decided to get into coaching. Uh, yeah, I, my my background is is not not too glorious or exciting. I was I grew up in a tiny, tiny little town, uh, about 400 people in the middle of nowhere, Oregon. Um, I was a baseball nut. Uh, my uncle. Um, Played professionally and, and was a legendary junior college coach in the Northwest, and actually gave me my start coaching. And so I grew up with a baseball bug, and, and but I didn't really have an outlet for it. And I kind of you know taught myself a little bit, and, and you know wasn't a great player. I, I could run and defend a little bit and, and do those things, and I, I knew that I wanted to get out and, and chase that. And, and I, I got an opportunity to go to, to a small school called Linfield College uh, near Portland uh, with a. A legendary coach Scott Carnahan, who uh, coached the USA team, and and uh, and coach Scott Brocious, who played in the big leagues for a long time, and, and awesome. uh, is now with USA Baseball. Just sort of lucked out, and, and uh, they took a chance on me. And, and uh, uh, my college career was was even less glamorous. I got hurt a bunch of times, and and never really got on track. And, and mm-hmm. looking back now, it's what got me into coaching because I, I had to watch a lot. I had to sit with a you know with a cast on or a boot on or or with a bag of ice or whatever it was for the day and, and watch a lot. It, it made me sort of understand it differently. And I think the fact that I had to learn a little bit on my own, it, it just, it just gave me some perspective on, on the other parts of the game versus just playing and, and being good and not knowing why you're necessarily good. So um, I, I, I got the bug and, and, and coach Carnahan was great. He, I, I was teasing him. I said, he, he was the first to realize that I was, probably more valuable on a bench than, uh, than in the field. And, uh, he said, Hey, you should, you should think about coaching. And, and uh, so I, I did, I, I, I helped out a little bit, uh, while I was hurt. And then, like I said, my uncle, uh, Kelly Smith was the head coach at, at lower Columbia college, uh, a powerhouse, best JC program in the Northwest, uh, for a long, long time for almost 20 years. And, uh, and he said, Hey man, if, if you really want to do this, you know, I think you're dumb but you should try it. If you're going to do it, you should do it with me. Sure. Um, so I went up there and, and uh, I decided, Hey, let me, let me see what this thing is. And I was set to go to grad school and, and do some other stuff. And, and I thought, well, let me, let me just, let me just see. I wasn't quite ready to, to be an adult uh, maybe. And, and let me just see if this coaching thing's okay. And so I did, I went up there and I got hooked and uh, he was great. Cause he was, you know, he was able to give me some responsibility without mm-hmm. uh, me screwing it up too bad for him. And, um, got got to got to work for, for some really good people and uh, some somebody gave me a job at uh, a head coaching job five years later uh, somehow and I learned to screw that up a little bit and, and learned how to how to run a program and uh, and how not to and and uh, bounced around a little bit went back um, uh, to Seattle U for two years uh, and, and worked with the hitters there uh, after after my stint as head coach at Tacoma Community College then I went actually went back to Lower Columbia. For one year to be the head coach when my uncle retired, um, I thought that was where I would probably be for a long time. It's my wife's hometown. Mm-hmm. She was excited about it. Uh, we had we had two little kids at the time, and and sort of felt like, well, this is a place you can post up for a long time. And we had a really good year. We had pretty good recruiting class, and, and uh, just you know, timing wise, it worked out. That's when UW called and, and said, hey, we 
we need somebody who can recruit the Northwest and coach hitters. And, and so it, it, 11 months after we, we thought we had posted up for a long time, we, we ended up flipping back and, and going back up to Seattle area and, and, uh, and headed to the University of Washington and spent five years there, had, had, had a great time and, and, and obviously some success in what's called World Series last year. Mm-hmm. Um, got an opportunity to, to do some cool stuff there and was ready for uh, kind of a new opportunity and uh, a chance to a chance to do some things a little bit differently and, and, and work with someone maybe a little more aligned with my development philosophy and how I want to do stuff and, and the family piece of it. So came down here this summer to, to join with Shackets in Santa Barbara and it's been, uh, been amazing so far. And you guys have had a fantastic season so far, and hopefully uh, you guys clinch this weekend. Like you said, that you mathematically could possibly do that. So best of luck, and, and I wish you guys nothing but the best. But at the time of the people listening, you know, this is going to air in July. So we're all at this point trying to get ready for the fall and what we're going to do and what we're going to change, yeah. what we're trying to learn. So if you don't mind, you know, talk to us about what you guys did this last fall or what you're thinking of doing different this upcoming fall. And let's just, you know, go go through a typical week and just kind of share everything that you've got, if you don't mind. Yeah, you know, I've got I've got this question from quite a few people because, you know, obviously we've had some success this year. and It was, you know, it's, a, it's the contrast is stark from what mm-hmm. they had done the last couple of years offensively from my perspective. And. And then what we've done this year, and obviously the record is it's pretty good, and, and and you know it sort sort of lends itself to some questions like this, which is oh my god, what, what are you guys doing? Is there mm-hmm. is there some secret sauce to it, or uh, or is there something you know sort of cutting edge or something new that you're trying? And I, I, I think the best answer I could give is no. We uh, we don't do anything that I don't think a lot of people are doing, and and I, your podcast has had some incredible guys on it, and and I think hitting Twitter despite its inherent flaws and craziness and, and, um, and all of that has some really good, good dudes on there. And there's some really smart people out there. And I tell everybody, I'm not the best drill guy in the world. I'm not the best mechanics guy in the world. I'm not the best instructor in the world. What we try and do every day is create an environment where our guys feel safe and comfortable and empowered to try and get better. I love that. And I think, I think that's what we did more than anything. I, I walked into an incredible situation. I had good players. I had really talented kids and physical kids. We had some speed, we had some power, we had a lot of pieces and they were just hungry for just a little bit, something different and somebody to say, Hey, we got your back and, and, and go get them and, and explore and, and, and learn some things and not be afraid to try new things and, and uh, take some risks and all of that. And I, I tell our guys almost every day, hitting is really hard. We're going to have days, no matter how good you are, that you're not very good. Mm-hmm. I guess this is the bottom line. You're just you're not going to be good every day. There's, there's we're going to run into a pitcher who's on his on his game and, and just shoves it, and we're going to get pushed around. And we're going to have days where we just miss, and we're going to have days where we don't see it as well. We're going to have days where the wind's blowing in, and you can't control any of that. What we can control is how we prepare to do the best we can and, and fight through the slow times, and and that's what we started out with in the fall. Was I just first team meeting? Coach Fontino and I, who um, were both new, we just said, hey, listen, we're, we're here for you. We came here for you. And we're going to do this together. We're going to do it side by side. If we get two hit on a day, I got two hit, not just you. Mm-hmm. We're all in this together. Uh, we're going to try some stuff. We're going to learn. Uh, anything we do, change. Uh, anything we implement. Anything we do from a teaching or, uh, or approach standpoint or from a an adjustment standpoint is done together. It's collaborative. I'm not going to tell you how to do it. 
Sure. I'm going to say, hey, I think this might work for you. Let's try it. What what does this do to your brain? How does this affect you? What does it make you feel? What does it make you think about? So that's the thing that we do most of any, most of all, is just we try and create uh, an environment, like I said, where guys feel empowered to try stuff and not be afraid. So we just, we kicked it off right away with that saying, hey, what are you good at? What are you not good at? What gives you a hard time? And let's try and accentuate the things that you're really good about and and, uh, and we'll, we'll try and mask the other stuff and, and work on them as we go and um, and that's that's I think the the most important thing as a hitting coach at a, certainly at our level I think because there's already some ability uh, you know I think every level has its challenges you know the lower levels obviously you need to teach more mechanics because they mm-hmm. don't know their swing yet sure. but at our level our guys are pretty good you know there, there's some ability already they know their swings to a certain degree um, and we just try and make sure that we're, we're there to help them uh, try and be great. No, I really like that. And I love the safety piece that you included in that. It's, hey, I'm here for you guys. And I've I've been reading a lot of psychology stuff. I'm teaching a psychology class or two sections next year. And so I've been trying to rush up on it a little bit. And they talk about one of the biggest things with building relationships is it has to start from a baseline of safety and a safe environment to where you're not afraid to share. You're not afraid to collaborate and things like that. And so Logistically speaking, you, you hit on it a little bit, but I want to know, you know, once you guys got your foot in the door and you said, hey, we're here for you guys, what did the process of, okay, now let's start to get to work a little bit. Now let's start to, uh, maybe I don't like this about your swing. What do you think about that? And just, you, I mean, it's really hard with the first year, especially because they don't know you all that well. And so what did that process at least transition from day one to now we're here now, I'm sure they all trust you, but what was the nitty gritty in the middle and how did that go, go about? Yeah, I don't, again, I, I wish I had some, some really cool direct and uh, specific answers to some of these things. Cause mm-hmm. uh, you know, I, I wish there was a formula that you could follow. I wish yeah, there was a, a, a format that you say, Hey, just do these things and guys will trust you and, and it'll all be okay. And, and guys will get better. I don't, I just don't think that's how it is. I think as you alluded to human psychology is, is we are so on the surface level of human psychology. Mm-hmm. It's, it's ridiculous. We don't know why we think certain things, why the brain responds to certain things. And everybody's so different that I think if you try and put it in a box and you try and say, hey, these are the things that we're going to do. And if we just follow the, the script, mm-hmm. we'll be fine. Uh, I look at it in terms of I'm going to be me and I'm going to come in right away and I'm going to show you that that's, that it's all real. It's not a, it's not an act. I'm not going to act like a coach. I'm not going to tell you, here's what I know. And here's why you should listen to me. I don't, I don't, I don't tell them my resume. I don't, I don't tell them anything. Like I'm just, I'm here and we'll start to get to know each other that way. And I think once, I think it's like anything, you meet certain people in life and, and some, some people you're like, eh, I don't know about that guy. And other people are like, I, I don't know that he was cool. He was fun. We, we hit it off. We had, we had a, we had a good vibe and, and so that's what we try and do every day is, and, and mm-hmm. we, we just started off with that. I said, Hey, here's me. And, uh, you know, my, <laughs> my shtick or whatever that people who, who, who don't like me might say is it, it's, it's just me. And, and my hair's a little too long and, and, <laughs> and out of control. And I've got probably a few too many tattoos for most baseball coaches likings. And, <laughs> um, and I got a, I got a funny name and, mm-hmm. and I've got a weird, I got a, you know, a, a unglorious baseball background sure. and, and, I, you know, I just, but I don't care. That's just, 
I think guys will respond to that. They're like, hey, you're not trying to hide anything. You're not trying to be somebody. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you're we start off just better. having, yeah, exactly. I'm here for you. And if you see that I'm not putting up a facade and I'm not trying to, to play a role, then then I think it's easier to go, okay, well, I'll give him a shot. Mm-hmm. And, and that's what we do every day. We, we have some fun. We talk a lot of shit. And you may have to bleep that out, but we, we, we run our mouths at each other all day. They know they can make fun of me. I'm going to make fun of them. We're going to create an environment where nobody's above anybody else. Like, sure. I don't care how good you are, how many homers you've hit, or if you're the last guy on the bench, we're all trying to get better here. We're all in this together, uh, including myself. I tell them every day, I don't have the answers. We'll figure it out together. There's no straight line to success. Uh, let's just work together and we'll figure this thing out. I think too, I had a conversation with our center fielder, Tommy Jews, really, really talented kid, mm-hmm. has put up some really big numbers this year. Um, he struggles most of all with uh, sort of the, the the impatience of wanting to be great. He knows mm-hmm. he's capable of it. People tell him all the time he's capable of it, and he wants to be great right away, and he wants to be great every day, which is awesome. And I and I'm I just love coaching him because he wants to be great, truly. Right. But he also gets impatient with it, and, he, and when he struggles, he he. he feels like it's sort of a personal failing or he's he's missed something and if i just find the answer then i won't i won't struggle again and i and i tell him all the time like that's not how this works it's not a straight line in there and if we if we get caught up in trying to find the right answer Mm -hmm. then we give ourselves problems and he and i were having a conversation the other day where he said uh he was sort of laughing about um hitting twitter you know all the all the gurus out there and all the people that put their opinions out there. And it, and it, it tends to be a little bit of, uh, of, a, of a battle over who's right. right. And, and he goes, well, what do you think? Like, which camp you fall in and which guy, you know, I'm like, I, I don't, I don't think I fall in anywhere. I think there's some really good stuff out there. Mm-hmm. And I, I think one of the things that are the kids that we're coaching now have access to is incredible. They have access to so much more information than, than we did. I didn't know. I told him this. I said, I didn't know anything about this one, literally nothing when I played. Right. And so if a coach told me to do something, well, I listened because I didn't know anything. I, I assume maybe, you know, mm-hmm. so, but now kids have so much more information. It doesn't mean they don't want your help. And I think some of the old school coaches get a little nervous about that because they think kids are, you know, and, and, and I'm sure there is some, some kids who think, well, hey, I don't need your help because, I've got, I've got Twitter. I can do this by myself, but I think the, the vast majority of kids just, Hey, I've got all this information. I'm trying to figure out what's real, what's not, mm-hmm. what's applicable to me. And I need someone's help to guide me through that. So that's how I look at it more, more than anything is I'm helping guide you through your search for your swing and your approach and your style. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that's a cool thing. I, I think it's awesome. It doesn't scare me at all to, to think that my, my guys, uh, know things about the mechanics of the swing or what's what's actually happening because um, we don't try and trick them, you know. And, and certain guys need cues that are vastly different from other guys, and that's okay. And if everybody understands that everything we do is about trying to find something for you specifically, that trust is easy to build because that's ultimately what people want is if, do I feel like you're actually trying to help me versus just the group or just the team or just the program? Like everybody's a little bit selfish in that way. And that's why, why you go to college to play baseball. Right? I want to play in the big leagues. So I want to go someplace where I can try and, and make that happen. If I don't feel like those people that I've entrusted with my career are actually trying to help me specifically, then how can I give myself to the team? And how can I be unselfish? And how can I be a team player? 
And how can I continue to grow? Because I'm not being represented and I'm not being backed. And, and that's the trust piece that, that you get to if you approach it from that standpoint. And, and that's what we do every day is we're here for you. We'll figure this out together. You have a bad day. That's okay. I got your back. We'll figure it out. We're good. We'll get there. Um, and I think when you do, when you approach it like that and you're genuine about it, kids can see that their, their bullshit meters are, are incredibly good. They're, mm-hmm. they're really good at figuring out who's, who's posing and, and who's full of it. And, and, uh, and so I think, <laughs> I think that's ultimately what we do best here is, is we just, we're genuine with our guys. We're excited about helping them and they know that. Well, and we've been talking for 20 minutes and you can just, you can definitely tell the authenticity that you exude. Like you're, you're literally like, but just between you and I, I can just tell how authentic that you are and you're not trying to be somebody that you're not. And, and you're right. I, I think more than anything, we gripe about this generation sometimes, but you're right. Their BS meter is extremely high and their emotional intelligence is fairly high as well. And, and I'm right there with you. And so Let's uh let's go to the summer before you started, okay? And yeah. you're leaving Washington, you're coming here, yeah. and you're saying, okay, I really want to get this accomplished in the fall. These are my goals. Maybe you did it in an interview or you did this whenever you guys are talking in the summer and you guys are just, you're hashing it out. What were your main goals that you definitely, you were like, I've got to do this, this fall for us to be successful? Because again, in the time that, that we're listening now, that's what we're all trying to do. We're all trying to revamp or re, not necessarily reinvent, but just add a couple of things that's going to help everybody in our program to get better. So what were your goals whenever you started there? I didn't have any goals, um, honestly. And okay. I don't know if that's, if that's the answer that, that the listeners want to hear. Because okay. again, I think, I think we all look for, uh, and I think this is a good thing in, in a lot of ways. We look for a better way. Like I want to continue to grow. I want to continue to get better. Give me a template to do that. If I can continue to adjust my template, then I'll be a better coach because I'll be more organized and more on top of things and I'll be more diligent about reaching those goals. Mm-hmm. I, I think there's some really good, valuable pieces to that mentality. What I would tell you is that's not how I work. Okay. I don't, I'm not a huge list guy. Like we've got to get all of these things done. We have to progress from swing mechanics to team offense to short game to I don't do that um, because I don't want to get boxed into what my guys need. Mm-hmm. So if you are, I think if you are a coach, who's, and it'll be different next year because I'll know the guys that we have coming back. I'll know the incoming guys to, to a large degree and I'll, I'll be a little farther along in understanding what their needs might be. Mm-hmm. But I, last year I didn't want to box myself into that. I obviously talked to coach check. It's about, Hey, what do we got? you know, tell me about these guys. And he gave me a great rundown on, on what they'd done well, what they'd struggled with, what he felt like their, um, their emotional state was in, in the larger sense of, of their baseball careers. Not, not, uh, not who's high strong and who's not, but just where are their heads at with, with their progress with the player. So I had, I had that information, but I intentionally went into the fall meetings with, I'm not going to lay it out yet because I want to talk to them and I want to mm-hmm. feel that. And I, I guess trusting that, as you call it, the emotional intelligence, trusting that part of what I do uh, and what Coach Fontino and I were going to find out when we got into that room, I, I didn't want to be, I didn't want to be boxed in. I didn't want to have some predispositions to, uh, I want to do this, this, and this, because it isn't about my style. I can have a style. People ask me that all the time. Uh, you know, 
what kind of hitting style do you have? And I said, I don't. Like, I don't know that two offenses that, that, that were very, very similar. Like, I don't know that you could pick out a guy. Well, that guy played preferred. I can see it in his swing. I don't think we do that. We we try and tailor it around what we're good at. And obviously, you recruit to what you're trying to, to do to your ballpark or, or your conference or what you like to do. There's certain aspects of that in the question. We want to hit homers and mm-hmm. we want to hit the ball really hard. So we like physical guys if we can find them. And But we want some speed in there. We want some hybrid guys that can do a little bit of both, some versatility. All those things are great. But sure. last summer, what I said was, okay, let me let me lay out the the, the things that we always need to do, right? We got to we got to have some mechanics work. We got to figure out, uh, get everybody a certain baseline of ability from a from a mechanic standpoint. Um, we want to obviously teach some team offensive concepts. We don't bunt a lot. Um, I, you know, I think we're the the second fewest sacrifice bunts in our conference, so we don't do that a lot. But there's a time and place when that's going to come into play, and, and we want to use it as a weapon if we can. We also have some guys with some speed, so we're going to add the drag push in there and some slash and all that kind of stuff. So we're going to have a component of that. We're going to have some base running components that we obviously got to good at. So you have some pieces that you know, hey, I want to hit these points. And I think every good hitting coach has a list of things that are important to him. And and, and I think figuring out percentages that you want to spend time on, I think sometimes we lose that. I think sometimes right. those plays that stick out in our mind when we screw them up, the squeeze. Mm-hmm. You know, We've called squeeze one time this year. So should I work on that? you know, 15% of my practice time. Right. I don't think so. Right now, if we screw it up, it looks worse and it stands out in your mind. And so you sort of think, well, maybe I should do it more so we don't screw it up, mm-hmm. but it's also a play that we almost never use. Right. Uh, so I think sometimes, uh, you know, we got to look at, at how we, how we divide our time and those sort of things. So I did, I did some of that. I, I said, Hey, I, here are the things that I think we need based on the information I do have. We're probably going to need to do these things. And you lay out the timing of those things. But we went into it with sort of a blank slate of getting with our guys and letting them lead us where we where we where they needed to go. I like that. And adjusting as we went. Now you can create a framework from a timing standpoint, and you can certainly set some parameters about how to approach preparing. And I think that's what 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 I did more than anything as I as I went into the fall was I wanted to make sure that they know how to do this themselves. Mm-hmm. I almost look at it the more i do this is the less that i have to be involved from a hand-holding standpoint the better the more that i can take myself out of the equation the better creating curious learners that ask questions versus asking for the answers sure that want to have a conversation so how do i prepare myself how do i get myself ready how do i use those those hours that i'm not with the coaching staff to get better so the, the real framework that we, we lay out in, in detail from an organizational standpoint is how to build the timing and usage of your time management, especially in the fall, as we're trying to build the engine, so to speak. Right. I love so that's that. what we did with guys is laying that out. Like, here, here's the time we're going to have together. Here are the things that we can do together that, that's most important uh, from a teaching standpoint. But here's what we really need to do on this, on this other side is prepare you to do this on your own. Let me take a few seconds to tell you guys about OnBaseU. OnBase University is an organization that studies how the human body moves in baseball and softball. They offer certification seminars that teach coaches, trainers, and medical professionals how to assess an athlete's physical ability to perform movement patterns that are specific to hitting and pitching. For example, 
they just put up a blog on their website, onbaseu.com, that discussed why hip internal rotation is important in hitting and how they evaluate it with their OnBaseU screen. If you want to learn more about OnBaseU, I did a podcast with OnBaseU founder, Dr. Greg Rose, episode 78, who talked about this and modeled the screen after golf assessments that he created for TPI. They are hosting pitching and hitting seminars in Newark, Houston, and Chicago over the next few months. And I will be attending the one in Houston, and I hope to see you there. No, I love that. And you're creating learners. You're not creating robots. And that's something that I can fully get behind as a teacher, especially. I think that that I always revert to that. And, I'll, and I love that you use the word curious. And that's something that if we can promote that, we've got them. And, and they're yeah. locked in. And there's so many different directions that that we can go with with that, and and I I really love your philosophy, and and you and this may not be a good question for you because you you said several times that you don't like to be boxed in, but I, you know I think for myself and I think for our listeners, we're always looking for how do people judge the swing, or how and, and there's so many different ways, but okay, so so you get there, you're a couple weeks in. And you're finally like, okay, maybe we need to talk about some different changes. And you can, yeah. we can word it into ways that, that the kids think that they came up with it or whatever. <laughs> but it, as you're going through a video or you're talking with the kids, I mean, what are some different things that, that you feel like, maybe not absolutes, but things that you look for that really good players do on a consistent basis? Yeah, I, I think the, the, the most important factor for me when I watch, whether it's a high school guy that I'm maybe going to recruit or certainly one of my own guys that I'm trying to get better is that innate uh, timing mm-hmm. that, that innate ability to match so up important. what's happening in their in the, the external environment, the external factors and, and contextual clues from a visual and, and neurological standpoint, what, what, what's coming at me mm-hmm. and how do I respond to that? That's the biggest thing. And that's really difficult sometimes to see, right. sometimes to judge because you're the, the, the velocity and, and the, the pitching that you're seeing can vary so widely. Your training environment can really factor into that. A lot of guys could fool you on a tee or front toss or even on a machine that they know uh, the, the mechanism of. So trying to put them in, in positions where you challenge and stretch them mm-hmm. and to see how they respond. And we call it that the dance ability. Uh, I use that analogy of, of being good. able to dance with the pitcher mm-hmm. because if you've ever danced, if you ever actually danced like with a partner, you have to feel their rhythm, right? If the good ones are like, man, they're just, they're working in, 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 in coordination. They're synced mm-hmm. up when they push back and the other person gives and they dip together and they can spin and the hands connect at the right moment. There's no, Oh, are you going to go? Oh, I'll meet you here. And mm-hmm. there's no awkwardness to it. And you look at the best hitters. It looks like that. It looks right. effortless. Yeah. They're always ready they're back and loaded and they're ready to launch when the ball is coming and there's, they're not rushed. They're not hurried. They're not panicked and they can feel their way through any velocity or, or pitch recognition issues. Right. Mm -hmm. And so what we, we try and get guys to understand is there's an innate uh, body awareness that has to be developed. Some guys are really, really good at it and you want those guys. And then some guys can get better at it and you're trying to develop that. And what you want, guys, back to the curious learner part is, all right, well, why, why do I struggle with that? Because the most common answer you get, I think, at least for me, when I ask guys, well, hey, what happened there? Why was that round a BP bad? Or why was the swing bad? They're like, well, I, I just think my timing was off. I'm mm-hmm. like, yeah, no shit. I, of course right. your timing is off. 
right. got jammed or you were late or you were early or whatever. That's the easiest cop-out answer. Why was your timing off? Right. What happened? Why did you panic? Because that's what your brain does. If your feel, if your timing doesn't feel right, and it's usually because you're late. So if you feel late, you feel rushed, and your brain panics. You make poor decisions. Mm-hmm. And understanding what what our eyes tell us, and then what we do with that wiring. So when when we see a ball in a certain window, from the hand, from the arm slot, from whatever, our brain has processes that and, and tells our body what to do. And it's subconscious. It's it's it just happens like that, but we need to figure out what what we're seeing and what our body does in reaction to that, and rewire it sometimes to sure. you know the the old you know how I feel it's in, so I'm going to spin right, and I'm going to smother it probably, and I'm going to hook it, mm-hmm. and we need to rewire the way our our brain processes that, and and in doesn't scare us anymore. We can stay behind it. We can get the hands inside. We can clear the hips. We can do whatever we're going to do. Scissor. We can use our move that we've developed to fight that we're early and it's breaking ball. And we realize that, you know, our foot's already down and we realize, uh Oh, soft. Now what's my move? What's instead of panicking and lunging and reaching and, right. and poking at it and, and, and the things that most of us all do when we get fooled, mm-hmm. we don't, we retrain our brain to respond in a different way and we can sink, we can scissor, we can do whatever it is. So getting guys to understand that piece of it, that they are in control of their reaction to things. Then they're empowered to make changes, sure. and then you can you can you can mess with them. And so what we try to do is really early is test them in different ways. We we do things we, we go super velo. Then we'll go. We have a one of our our managers is really good at law BP. Mm-hmm. So he literally is like throwing lawn darts. He goes and just drops it in, sure. and it's so slow they can't even handle it. <laughs> and they're out front, they're flailing, and they're like, yeah. I'm like, he's literally throwing it 30 miles an hour. Uh-huh. Are you telling me you can't hit that? And they're like. I, I can, but He's why are I'm like, yeah, it's too slow. Well, okay. Mm-hmm. You know, it's the old adage. Well, it's too slow. It's slow yeah. it harder for me. You know, right. I'm better against Velo. Mm-hmm. Okay. That tells you that your, your, your mechanism is off somewhere and your recognition and your innate timing is off. Mm-hmm. So we can train that. So screwing with the timing, screwing with the, the look, we'll, we'll do ones where we do extreme angle toss, you know, we'll go to one side or the other. And we'll go, you know, at an angle that just your screws with your eyes and your eyes haven't seen that before. And so your brain doesn't know how to process it. Mm-hmm. Well, when you do that, I think you're scrambling your, your, your decision-making process so much that you, you kind of lay it bare. And now you're able to see it more about well, why did your brain make you do this? What do you mm-hmm. think happened there? As, as opposed to just BP, which they don't, it's so automatic anymore. They don't, right. they don't have any concept of what's happening or what's wrong or good. And mm-hmm. so if you get them outside of that, something they're really uncomfortable with and they haven't dealt with, they're a little better at, at picking up, well, it made me feel really uncomfortable. It made me feel tied up. Mm-hmm. Right. That's a great answer. Now we can work with that. Tied up is an actual feeling we can work on. Or I felt like my eyes wanted to pull me towards it because it was away and, and it felt slow. So my head goes towards it. Well, great. Now we have awareness of, of when it feels soft or away, our eyes get pulled towards it, which means our head gets pulled towards it, right. which means we lose posture and we got to adjust that. Sure. So it clears that that sort of old habit locked in thinking and gets them outside of their deal. So I, the thing we do is, and I, you know, I said I'm not a, a real big drill guy, and there's there's a, there's guys uh, who have a whole laundry list of incredible drills to do, and and seemingly have have a fix, you know, a drill fix for every little problem. I, I, those guys are great. You had one on 
my, my boy Swanee, mm-hmm. Tanner Swanson the other day from a catching perspective. I mean, that, he's the drill king. Sure. He's got something for every fix. That isn't really what I do. What I try and do is just screw them up enough and, and get them uncomfortable and, and, and flailing around enough that they let their guard down enough to say, all right, well, let's see what's really happening here. What are my eyes and my brain telling me and how can I adjust from there? Right. And there's a, there's a couple of different directions that I want to go with that one. But with your latest comment, I, I think that once we get them, you know, to screw up and then to not directly look at us for help, I think that's when that's when we've got them. And, and you mentioned that, that, hey, we're helping them to figure it out. And so what we're trying to do is get them to, again, be curious learners and all of that. But I think that's the biggest thing is is sometimes there's guys who take a swing and then they look directly to us. And that's not what we're trying to promote, because if we're if we're the ones fixing their swings, they're going to have a really, really hard time. Uh, another thing that has really helped us lately, because I didn't realize how big of a how big or how hard training timing was, because it ne- wasn't necessarily hard for me. And so uh, I've started to tell them when to go, because for the most part, we go too late. And I think that we go as, as soon as, as we can. And then when, when our front foot hits, hits the ground, they're swinging. Like there, there's no feel for the ground and there's no being a little bit early and sinking and then letting it go. But, uh, and that was just another one of getting them to understand. But besides the couple that you mentioned, I mean, I'm always trying to find ways of how to train timing. So is there anything else that you guys do? Yeah, I mean, I, I think I think what we, we're always tinkering a little bit with let's try this and let's this might not even work but it'll be it'll be funky enough that it'll get them out of their out of their comfort zone we, we do a lot of multiple machine mm-hmm. work too where we'll, we have a like a, a big junior hat or a big hack attack machine that's on the, the tall leg mm-hmm. we'll stick it right over the top of a junior or two juniors you know so they're lower but the mm-hmm. the, the slots are lined up so it's the same, it's the same tunnel. And so we'll hold up, you know, two balls or even, you know, two balls and we'll drop it into one of the machines. And yeah, that's a one's a fastball, one's a break ball, one's a change of bread. And our guys really tend to like that because it, it it's hard. promotes that mentality of saying, Hey, I'm always can be on fastball rhythm and I can adjust off of that. Mm-hmm. I don't have to guess, I don't have to look right. And and I can really get my swing off even if it is what I was exactly looking for, because it's the tunnel is what screws us all up, right? The reason right. we don't see slider or change up or those other the secondary pitches is because the good ones come out of the same tunnel the same slot and they have the same um same look initially the ones that are bad are easy to see right the guy hooks his fingers or or the mm-hmm. arm slot drop pops or he gets into you know tight in the elbow or whatever it might be um being able to to train our eyes that we can pick up those contextual clues that's great but we also need to be able to just handle it if we don't you know didn't know that it was coming or didn't even recognize it. And mm-hmm. uh, I, I get fired up when, when guys go, they hit a slider, you know, an elevated slider and they hammer it. And, and you go, Hey, what pitch was that? And they're like, I don't know. Uh, I think it was a slider. Yeah. <laughs> I like that. Was it? That's good. You know, and they're not sure because they're, they're not worried about it. They're just sure. attacking elevation or sight lines and those sort of things. And I think a lot of our guys have embraced that idea of not trying to worry so much about pitch recognition mm-hmm. and look at, you know, location recognition. Mm-hmm. I hit a pitch in this spot really well. This is where my power slot is, or this is where I, I, I'm able to drive the ball. And so, if you just look in that window, you tend to have a better margin of error as opposed to trying to say, I'm going to look fastball. And now you look fastball in, away, down because you think it's a fastball. So, you swing and you, you expand your, your zone a little bit. If you just 
be able to, to say, hey, I can train myself to just hit it if it's in this window, even if I'm not 100% sure on what the pitch is. Mm-hmm. We do a lot of that that sort of training. So guys can do that because at our level, you know, the pitch is really good and they're trying to tunnel it. And the pitching coaches are working every day to try to get the guys for all those pitches to come out of the same slot, the same tunnel, and the same visual window. So we've got to be able to adjust to that. And I think that's one of the things that our guys have done a really good job with this year. So, it, you know, in terms of those drill packages, anything we can do to create those visual training windows really helps. And, and get creative with it. Like, I don't know. I mean, use your machines that you've got. Get two BP guys to throw from two different slots. You know, stack them on, on, on one side or the other and coordinate. Like, you, you throw this one, I'll throw this one, and, and guys can, can mix and match. Um, different uh, distances really helps, too, I think. So we'll do, we'll do like, three plates, uh, mm-hmm. and you've got to move up and back on a, on a fastball or a breaking ball uh, from different angles. But just going back and forth, you have, you have to be able to switch that timing mechanism. And the dance piece that we talk about a lot is, uh, is built into that one. Is you don't have time. You don't get to take the next pitch. You've got to hit the next pitch, mm-hmm. and you're two feet further up or two right. further back and being able to feel your way through that, but you know, time the ball, not the mechanism. Sure. Sure. Another one that we've incorporated lately and it sounds really weird, but it's, it's one that I stuck from stole from Doug Latta. And I thought he was, this was the weirdest thing that I ever heard in my entire life. And he has them do a round with the machine of missing on purpose to see if they're on time with their swing. So instead of what they usually do is get in, hey, let me see one. Okay, was our body actually on time? And it's really hard, and the kids look at you really, really weird. But they're trying to train their bat path and their timing at the same time just to see and feel, okay, If even if I do miss, was I on time? Did I just miss above or below? Or was I way off time and I had no concept of it? But there was an article that I that I referenced earlier, and I'll link it in the show notes because it's really, really good. You talked about ball or barrel, and that was something that abs- that stood out to me because I absolutely love that phrase. But tell us what that means. It, it just means we we try we're we're trying to find you know a way to blend that mix of aggression versus mm-hmm. patience, right? And that's mm-hmm. I think what every hitting coach is trying to like. Do we want to be super aggressive and live with some swing and misses on balls out of the zone because we're aggressive? Or do we want to say, hey, pitchers don't throw a lot of strikes, so we should be patient and take our walks mm-hmm. and, and those things. And it, it sort of evolved for us of, of how do we get guys to be be good ball strike differentiators, right? right? right. And so, and it's not even a ball strike. It's really what you hit versus what you don't hit. And what do you want to swing at versus what you don't want to swing at. So it sort of just came out uh, one day as we're, you know, the old, it's, it's walk or knock, mm-hmm. uh, you know, three, two, you know, Hey, if he, you know, if he throws a ball, take it cause it's a walk or, or if it's in the strike zone, hit it. And it sort of evolved from that. Of what are you looking for? Be so committed to what you're looking for in this, in the, the location that you're looking for that if they throw something else, you just won't pull the trigger. You just won't sure. do it. Yeah. Even if it's a strike. Right? You're just you're not going to do that. And, and we, you know, we feel like we're really aggressive if you throw us up. We're going to hammer us. We're not going to wait around. Mm-hmm. But if you want to walk us and you want to nibble and you want to get us to chase that slider just a little bit off with that change up just down and away a little bit, we're not going to do it because that doesn't fit our eye. Mm-hmm. And so that concept of if, you, if, if the guy's got some command issues or he gets squirrely or he gets nibbly and, and so many, so many pitchers. I mean, I don't know how many times our guys would probably laugh if you ask them how many times in the scouting report meeting. I said, Hey, nothing to beat you with. 
discipline wins. He can't get you out unless you chase. You know, mm-hmm. we say that all the time. Sure. And, and pitchers are really trying to do that, right? So to further that concept of don't swing at his pitch, swing at your pitch is if it's not your pitch, then it's a ball in our mm-hmm. mind. Of, and maybe maybe they get the call, maybe they don't, but we're not worried about that. That's not our control. Sure. It's not the pitch we want to hit. So that's a ball. And then if it's in the zone, we're going to barrel it. And that's our mindset. It's throw it where I want it. I'm going to get my swing off and I'm going to hammer it. I'm mm-hmm. going to run my barrel out. And that's the confidence, the aggression piece, the, you know, the, the, the persona piece that we're trying to get our guys to understand is we're trying to do damage. And so it just sort of evolved from that of trying to blend those, uh, those concepts of who we want to be and how we want to act and carry ourselves. And, you know, we want to, you know, want to, want to hammer balls, and, but you know, if you want to walk us or, or, or make us nipple, we're not going to do that. We're, we're going to have some, some uh, some ability to separate balls from strikes, and you know the the I think in the hitting world it's it's evolved a little bit. You know, at first it was just hit homers and not worry about strikeouts don't matter. But you see teams like the Astros and the Red Sox have have come back to realize that you know, contact really doesn't matter, mm-hmm. and it doesn't always have to be a homer. And, you're, and, and that's not it's not a true outcome uh, world. It doesn't have to be. You know, walks sure. are great and singles are great if if, if it was in the right spot. And, and if the game's calling for it, and the doubles are cool too. Like all of it, we're, we'll take all of it. Um, and and I think you've got guys like prices, you know, guys like things that are easy to, to think about. The other piece of the ball or barrel concept was it's the binary choice. Is we're only giving you two things to think about. Sure. It's swing or don't swing, right? It's the old red light, green light, right? Your green light tells you, the ball tells you no, and yes or no, up or down, all of those things. I think human brains are easier, are, are more well-equipped to attack two choices, yes or no, up or down, right? Those those sorts of things. So, if it's, take it, it's what you want and barrel it, and, and we, we, we go forward. So trying to limit those things to think about, as opposed to saying, hey, you know, you're hunting fastball, but if they throw you an elevated slider, hit that too, but leave the leave the change up down and, mm-hmm. and don't let him, you know, jam, you know, just there's too many things now. Sure. And, and we, again, we take the fear factor out of if you get something else, then it's okay. That isn't what we're looking for. And we'll live with it. And if it's a strike at the knees, but you were looking for elevation. Cool. All right. We're okay. Fine. We'll, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll continue to have what we want and hope for that mistake to happen. Well, I love that. And I love the simplicity behind it. And you, you just sound like such a competitive person that I want to know what are some different competitions that you guys do during practice? <laughs> yeah. I mean, we do, we do a lot of the, the, the normal stuff of how many in a row can you, can you barrel and, and they self uh, judge. So you stay in there until you miss barrel mm-hmm. and get some fun ones. Cause guys will, guys will get one and it'll look pretty good, but you know, they didn't quite barrel it. They got it off the handle a little bit and the, the whole group's waiting for them to, you know, are you gonna are you gonna own up to it? Or are you gonna try and cheat and take it? Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of the barrel competitions. We have homer competitions. You know, you stay in until you don't homer. We'll sometimes do BP groups where we're trying to see if all four guys in the BP group on their last rounds. So we, we tend to end our BP rounds with one swing called winner round. Got to win a game, um, one one pitch to win, and and so we'll see if the whole group can homer or the whole group can barrel or, or those sort of things. We do we do some. Uh, we call it hit and run drill or, or lightning where, where it's sort of fast paced with base runners and you're trying to see how many in a row you can you can you can hit online or, or barrel up and everybody's running you know you've got base runners with it and it's fast paced 
And so guys got to, you know, you got to deal with a little bit of fatigue and a little bit of, of pace issue and, um, and challenging your brain to do it while you're not, you know, where you can't actually stand in there and take a, a breath and slow down and, and dial in. You've just got to react and trust, mm-hmm. your, trust your training on those sort of things. A lot of that, that sort of stuff. We, you know, we, and we do some, we do a lot of data collection. So we have that, you know, track man and we have blast motion. And so we'll track some of that stuff. And so we'll put up leaderboards sometimes. And who's got the, our, our, uh, our analytics uh, director will send, uh, sends out a, we use Slack for our team mess, messaging for all team related stuff. We have a, a, a hitting thread in there and, and he sends out the, the highest track man exit velos after every game oh, nice. and guys you know guys want to get, get on the leaderboard they want to get on there and, and sometimes we'll put individual challenges on guys and compete like hey you're attacking was was way too steep let's see if you can get you know you can get to to, to 20 because uh, you're at negative 10 right now and and being able to to alter your swing and that's your challenge it's nobody else's but yours mm-hmm. Um, and see if you can get to that spot within within a few days or, or even a day. You know, can you really make an adjustment? So putting challenges in front of guys, is, we do it every day. And I think one of the biggest challenges we've had with this group is they've run off to such a good start and, and done so well that you got to keep putting some new challenges in front of them because mm-hmm. sometimes it's like, I don't know, we're 35 and 5. We're, what else do you want us to do? And as much as they understand intellectually, like we got to keep winning games, sometimes it's easy to go, it's just, just another Tuesday. And so. to continually every day put challenges in front of guys, they love it. They eat it up. And, and, and I told you, we talk a lot of shit in our, in our hitting groups, our BB right. stuff. And they love that because it's all about keeping them like, hey, you're, not, you're not that good. You know, or guys will they'll run three out to the full side and everybody starts yelling, full side, pop only. Nice. You know, they'll, they'll challenge you. You can't go. You can't go center field tank. Yeah. No oppo choose for you. Uh-huh. You know, and they, and they just they love to get on each other and keep keep themselves humble um, because they know they're all capable. It's pretty cool stuff. Oh, that's great. And you hit on one of the things that I wanted to ask you about, and something I'm always curious about is how do other teams take BP? So how do you guys take BP, and what's different about it? Well, pregame is. You know, you're, you're somewhat limited in, in your options. We we uh, we try and keep the rounds less formal and more field based for individual guys. So we do some skill stuff in there, uh, like everybody. Um, but a lot of our stuff is Tommy. You're working on going the other way. Armani, you're trying to pull it today, trying to get it in the air. And everybody's got their own thing that they're working on. We add some base running components to that. Coach Fontino usually runs the cage for us, and he's really, really good at, at challenging guys so that when they come to the field, they've got a lather going, and they've really challenged themselves to, to, to get their, their eyes and their and their field dialed in so they can go out on the field and really cut it loose and and, and just let it let it hunt a little bit. Um, at practice, we, we really try and, and, and challenge them in different ways. We, we never, almost never throw BP in practice. Um, because we want to give them just multiple looks. Or if we do throw it, it's, like I said, the law BP or multiple arms where it's it's not just a traditional, I'm th- trying to throw it to your barrel and, and hit it. So um, we, we try and mix and match as much as we can with, with multiple sight lines, angles, velocities, plate work, uh, machines. Uh, and then, in, like I said, in pregame, it's about trying to get your dance rhythm down sure. and can i feel my way through this and can i get myself where i want to go we, we also challenge them 
to, to create their own pregame routine mm-hmm. and they're in charge of implementing that. So it's not a, I don't, I don't put a, a clipboard up with the rounds for, for today. That's not, that's not what I do. It's you come down and you've done your prep work. So maybe you're a med ball guy. You like to do some med ball throws and then you like to hit some plyo ball or you like to do the balance bat or the short bat or the, or the over and under load stuff. And you did your, your pre-work in the cage. You've done your ramp up phase. You challenge yourself you dialed in your cues and then you come down to the field and you say, Hey, I really feel like I need this today to get myself mentally and physically dialed in for, for the game ahead. And so it's all internal focus and, and individual focus on what they feel like they need for today. And I think there's a blend of some feel good BP in there. Like we, we want to try and hit homers. Um, we want to try and drive balls and we love that stuff. Mm-hmm. but it's also our guys have embraced too. like, Hey, I'm just, I'm too spinny. Like I can run it out to left field all the time if I want to, but it also makes me spinny if that's the only thing I think about. So today I'm only going to try and hit uh lineage down the right field line for three rounds and see if I can do that and challenging themselves those ways because we don't, we, we t- I tell them all the time. I said, I don't care what BP looks like. BP is not a beauty contest. It isn't for me to feel good about who's, Watching it, like, oh, those guys are good. Coach Burke's got them dialed in. Mm-hmm. I don't care about that. And I think too often as coaches, we, we BP needs to look good for us to feel like we're ready to play. Like, oh, God, BP was terrible today. Mm-hmm. We drove balls into the ground or we were late or we hooked or we had too many foul balls or whatever. And, and it, it makes us feel bad. And I'm like, we try and take that away. Like, BP doesn't have to look good to be productive. I like to that. be preparatory. And so our guys know that, hey, what's your routine? What are you trying to do today? And if it's gross, backside, I, you know, we have guys that sometimes all they do is hit crummy ground balls the other way <laughs> for a whole round because mm-hmm. it does something to their brain. Sure. So, okay, it's valuable. Like we're not that actually works. trying to do that, but but does it get us on time or does it get us wired in the right way? Fine, I'm, I'm okay with that. And then we'll launch some stuff. And we'll do whatever we need to do there. I, I can't tell you how impressed I am about the autonomy that you give your players. And I know that's something that a lot of coaches talk about, but it's something that you're living through. And I think that that's absolutely fantastic. Well, before you go, I've got a couple of lightning style questions for you and just a couple quick hitters. And so I want to know what's the latest thing that you've learned that's gotten you really excited? <laughs> There's some mentality stuff just on human brain uh, and, and recognition and, and fear uh, decision making that that uh, that I'm I'm diving into. Uh, there's a book that uh, that I tell everybody to read. Uh, it's called Psychopath Test, um, and it's literally about psychopaths. Like it has okay. nothing to do with baseball. Uh-huh. It has nothing to do with teaching. It has nothing to do with anything other than fascinating what the human brain does and why. And so trying to dive into some of that stuff about why people who and, and ultimately what, what psychopaths do and we everybody thinks about them as killers or, or evil people but you know, psychopathy is more than that and it's, it's it's ultimately it's the absence of empathy and understanding of of how external cues affect my mood or my my emotions and and ultimately it becomes often the absence of emotion and it's the emotional attachment to something right mm-hmm. and so they, they talk about the theory that there are maybe why certain CEOs or politicians are so successful is because they've stopped worrying about external expectations or external um, social cues. 
and they don't it doesn't affect them that way so they they lose that fear of shame or embarrassment or um or they don't stop because they're like they don't see it the same way they just keep going mm-hmm. and so um obviously i don't want i don't necessarily i'm not encouraging anyone to go out and recruit psychopaths but i think <laughs> there's something bit. we can learn from that ability to say what what you put on me I don't have to give it power. Sure. I can do it for myself and I can stay with the process and I can keep moving forward mm-hmm. and I can push through and I, I don't stop because it's embarrassing that I'm not there yet. You know, it's like, it's like a kid in the weight room who's not strong enough and he, he doesn't want to go in there because he's, he's, he's ashamed and, and he knows his buddy's going to give him, you know, he's going to, they're going to tease him or he's going to look, look weak in front of him. And the, the, the people that are able to push through that don't, it doesn't, it isn't that they don't feel the embarrassment. Shame, it's they don't let it give them, control them and they keep mm-hmm. going and they push through it because they want to achieve that. And so how do we use those, those concepts to get, you know, normal, normal kids to, to keep going and to push those outside expectations away, not give them the power over their, their, their day-to-day emotion. Uh, that's the thing we're working on a lot here is trying to get to see if we can keep guys going and, and, um, and, and you know, you mentioned the autonomy and the power. That's really what it's about too. Mm-hmm you take control back of your own process of your own life and don't let somebody else's expectations or judgments or values change what you're going to do. If you're, if you want to do it, go do it. And, and I'm fascinated by trying to get better at that and, and to create an environment where, where guys can really let go of, of all of that and just work and just get better. Oh, I love that. Okay. So second question, what's something that you guys do in practice that your kids love? What's that? What's something that you guys do in practice that your kids just can't get enough of? Oh, hit homers. Um, <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Yeah, uh, they really love that. Uh, yeah, I don't. I don't know if there's one thing we. Uh, I think it's. I think it's the environment that we we do it in. Mm-hmm. You know, we turn the music on. We we let them. We let them laugh. We let them enjoy it. Um, and we, we challenge them in fun ways and new ways. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, we, we do some fun things. We have a, we have an internal sort of a team theme for the hitters and pitchers got involved this year too, That's cool. um, that we do. It's a uh, it's motorcycle club. So we, the hitter of the week gets a cut. So we had a <laughs> custom leather vest made, That's awesome. um, and it's got a, it's got our, our, our thing on the back and, um, and the hitter of the week. We gets to wear that. They can take their shirt off, put the put the cut on, and nice. shut the guns yeah, off. Heck yeah. And uh, and then we have they get patches. They get patched in for leader, mouth, energy, wrecker, um, all of those. You know, sort of what they bring to the table. So we do some concepts like that where we keep it fun and, and, and exciting. We acknowledge guys. Um, so I don't know that there's one thing that they they enjoy most. You probably have to ask them, but. I think ultimately we enjoy coming to the park every day and, mm-hmm. and trying to get better. And, and that's what they respond to the best, I think. No, I love that. And, and it's something that I'm sure that you enjoy that environment as well. And you enjoy coming to the park as well. It's great. Yeah. It's just fun because we're, hey, we're, we're doing this together and we're going to try some stuff today. We're going to get better. We know that. Mm-hmm. We're going to have fun doing it. We're going to, you know, we're going to give each other a lot of grief and, 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 uh, uh, and, and enjoy being around each other and, and that, those relationships that you build. That's why we all, I think, stay in coaching to a large degree. Is we love that relationship piece, the camaraderie, and, and being mm-hmm. part of the team. And, um, so if you embrace that and enjoy that every day, I mean, it's the greatest job in the world. Oh, I love it, and I couldn't agree more. Last question. What are some of your favorite books and resources that have shaped your coaching career and or, you know, you talked about the Psychopath book, but what are some of the, some other ones that you could show, share for us? 
Um, yeah, I mentioned Psych About Death. I love that mm-hmm. book. Um, and I've read you know a lot of those. Uh, I think Phil Jackson's had a, a couple of his books have really hit home with me just on um, dealing with talented and uh, emotionally intelligent people. And I think that you know what he did, you know, was was so interesting in the way he dealt with a singular talented player and, and team leader in, in Jordan. Um, and that, that was my wheelhouse. That's what I grew up. You know, I grew up yeah, of in course. the day. But that ability to blend all of those pieces where you have definite role players, definite stars, uh, people with incredible competitive drives um, and, and, and some character flaws, too, you know, impatient, you know, lacked empathy towards others, probably in a lot of ways. But how do you blend all those people and how do you do it in a way that isn't your iron fist or your you imposing your will or your value? on them you do it with that and they embrace them without even realizing that you've given that to them right i'm fascinated by that where you leave your fingerprints without pushing your hands on somebody and that right. that that concept to me is, is really interesting and phil's written a couple of, of his books have been incredible on that um steve kerr's stuff just i i i just devour that yeah, that guy's stuff i just think it's so interesting and he's connected to a couple of people um pete carroll um and Michael Gervais are, are, are two guys that have worked together. Uh, Angela Duckworth and her book on grit. You know, I got to spend some time with, with Pete um, being in Washington and, and Seahawks. I got to spend uh, an afternoon with him once that just was super illuminating and all the stuff that he's put out there. But um, those concepts of how to get, you know, the really competitive people to, to be even more competitive and to embrace that environment. And I think, kids these days want to compete but sometimes they're a little scared to or there's there's some there's a bit of culture of well you know I, i'm not getting my opportunity or, or those sort of things and, and some of it's warranted you know i mean i think it's you know i think it's a little overblown with with kids shouldn't transfer if you're not getting playing opportunity they should if they're gonna play somewhere else but uh, also there's something to compete today to get better than the guy next to you um, and, and those people are great at that. I think that, that Pete, when he preaches with the Seahawks, has really had an effect on me. And then uh, reading Angela's, like I said, her, her, her book on grit, and some of her studies about those traits of personality and, and stick-to-itiveness and perseverance are just are, are fascinating things to me. So I, I definitely tend to fall on the side of the psychological aspects of things and the interpersonal relationships and, and motivating people and pulling stuff out of them and challenging them and, and empowering them and embracing them and all those sort of things. It's, it's, it's a bit like parenting, uh, I think, in a lot of ways. It's, um, you, you can do all of those things. You can pat them on the butt, you can put your arm around them, you can yell at them, you can scold them, you can uh, put them in timeout. <laughs> you know, you got to you gotta be able to do all those things. Sure. And, and yeah. Those are some of my favorite resources and people on, on the subject is, uh, are, are some of those guys. Cause I think they're, they're really, really at the top of their game. Absolutely. And I'm going to have to dig into some of the Phil uh, Phil Jackson stuff. Cause I, I love all of this other stuff that you, that you put out because it's fantastic. And so Donald, I, I appreciate your time. And I, I know you guys have to play a game later today, but if, uh, if you could just leave us with a couple of things and the first one being, where can we find you online in case anyone wants to get in touch with you? Uh, yeah. So, Twitter is Coach Ferg. Okay. Um, it, it's pretty easy. Track me down there. Uh, also on Instagram at Donegal Fergus. Um, a little bit of personal stuff mixed with our team stuff and some philosophy things. Um, so those are two places you can grab me. Uh, you can also obviously go to our website, get my email, my cell phone's on there. Uh, anybody that wants to reach out, I'm, I'm happy to, ch- to chat about this stuff. I, 
I love uh, I love young coaches and, and, and anybody that's willing to learn. And I think that's one of the really cool things about our our game, where it's headed with with podcasts like yours and, and ABCA and, and all the stuff those guys and sheets and those guys are doing. I think it's really pulling the community together uh, in a way that wasn't possible before. And I just think it's it's the coolest. I love it, and I love the ABCA. I love sheets as well, and we're all growing the game together. But is Absolutely. I'm just going to open up the mic. Is there anything else that you'd like to tell our listeners before you go? No, just uh, love your kids, coach them hard, uh, and, uh, and and empower them to, to be great because that's what we're all here for. Is, uh, if we're not helping them chase their dreams, then uh, then we're holding them back from chasing their dreams. And, uh, I think that's the coolest thing about uh, what we've done here at our place. Is we've, we've, uh, and my boss Andrew Check is he's just been incredible and. And I give him so much credit for opening this thing up and, and letting us do it this way, and, and for him for for embracing that that concept as well. Hey, we're gonna love our guys. We're gonna we're gonna develop them, and we're gonna embrace their growth. And sometimes it's gonna be a struggle, and sometimes it's gonna be a bit of a step back or a detour, and that's totally okay. And that's that's life. Um, and we're just gonna keep pushing them forward. Uh, so I'm just I'm I'm so lucky to, to be around really cool people, and uh, there's a lot of great people out out there that uh, that are doing it right the right way. And, um, I'm glad that the, that those people are out there because it gives me faith in humanity. Thank you for listening to Ahead of the Curve. You can subscribe on your favorite podcast platform, which can include Apple Podcasts, Google, Spotify, Stitcher, or YouTube. And if you're enjoying the podcast, please share it on social media to help get the word out. Once again, thank you for joining us.